Let's do it. The San Jose Sharks defeat the Calgary Flames 6-3. to three, and We are going to talk all about it. It's Teal Town, USA, After Dark. But as always, if you want to be part of the show, be sure to hit us up on all the social media platforms. You can talk to us in the YouTube chat. You can talk to us on Twitter. You can always go to our website, tealtownusa.com, to find all our latest podcasts and other stuff. That being said, it is a 6-3 victory for the San Jose Sharks. It is me, Ian, Blogs Hockey, Ian Reed, here with Marky Mark. Uh, we are here to talk about this game. Mark, how you doing? I'm good. Uh been doing pretty well how about yourself i can't complain uh especially after tonight it was a fun uh it was an interesting game right because obviously i think like even if you're like the most ardent team tank person you can't be mad at the sharks after this one no that was an entertaining game um yeah like look we're gonna get losses <laughs> the sharks can get plenty of losses but after a game like that where you know some guys who aren't normally scoring are scoring and you know there's a bunch of offense you, you have to enjoy that even if you want Macklin Celebrini, number one pick, best odds, you have sure. to enjoy that game. Yeah, I, I mean, especially, look, I mean, the Sharks, obviously, they've been without, they're without both Tomas Hurdle and Logan Couture at this point. I mean, that's a huge subtraction from their lineup, and I think it's one of those situations where you have to ask who's going to step up. And I thought we had some unlikelier candidates step up tonight. Um, I think if you look down the the score sheet, I mean, it's not the guys that I don't want to say like you're not mad that they showed up and the, the guys that scored scored, but it wasn't the guys that maybe you would hope would be leading a charge like this, like the Zetterlins, the Ecklins. Um, it was you kind of got con- contributions from from guys who had been a little quiet this season, not completely quiet. I think both, you know, in, in the case of a guy like uh, Zadina and I think Cunning, I think they're both up to like seven or eight goals a season. Yeah. And on the point you made about Hurdle and Couture both being out, that was the one position the Sharks looked like they finally had strength at a few weeks back when the Sharks were last playing games, right? So yeah. you take that away, an important position at that, and you kind of are looking around the lineup and seeing who's going to actually contribute, right? So. To see those guys step up, like you mentioned, they're both up to, I think, seven goals now. Uh, Cunning actually is up to eight. eight yeah. uh, so, yeah, seven or eight goals, not bad. That's on pace for, what, about 14, 15? So, I mean, they can put the puck in the net. Um, I think of both of those players, they're both former first-round first picks, right? Both yeah. first-round picks who kind of fell out of favor. So, um, those first-round picks, they always have talent. You know, It's just a matter of finding it. On, and on a night like tonight, both of them everything was going their way. So it was definitely a good look for them and the Sharks could use that depth scoring. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, you know, it's, it's, it does need to be say like, you know, this time of year, I don't know if there's, if like, obviously I think we'll talk a little bit about some of the candidates for trades as the trade deadline approaches. I mean, it's less than a month away at this point. Um, But, you know, obviously guys that want to continue playing hockey into the spring are also going to try and, you know, make a, point of of doing things now because look at we know what the sharks team is they're they're not playing games in april at least not deep into april 
Yeah, and that's the, that's a that's a good point. You have to think like, are these guys auditioning for new jobs? Um, are they trying to get the attention of whatever scouts are in the building or whoever you know from other franchises are seeking some depth scoring? I don't know if uh, Zadina might have been on many radars. He really isn't one of the names that's thrown around frequently, such as a guy like maybe Granlund or Hoffman mm. or Duclair. But you see a performance like this, you see the numbers he has, and if he comes cheap to another franchise, they might be looking to add him to, say, a third or a fourth line. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So let's get into the game here. Uh, Nazem Kadri opens the scoring for the Flames. Uh, to me, this is just an unfortunate play for Blackwood. He, you know, it's obviously, it's a, it's a shot to create a rebound. It's not a shot to to try and put the puck in the net. Uh, I think Blackwood plays it properly, deflects it out with his with his pad, but then, you know, it goes right to Nazem Kadri's shin guard and into the net it goes, it feels like. Yeah, not much you could do there. It's just a unfortunate bounce for him. And for the most part, I think Blackwood had a really good first period. So that was kind of the only, you know, bad moment i would say but you can't put it on him it's just a bounce kadri's in the right place goes off of the pad there's not much he can do there like even with the rebound you you really can't blame him for directing it where it goes that's where that kind of shot is gonna go yeah yeah 100 percent. really unfortunate goal because i thought mckenzie blackwood was really good tonight um especially after the the showing that Kapokakinen had the other night, uh, you know, like these guys are still completing, competing, sorry, for ice time. Uh, so it was nice to see Mackenzie Blackwood get back in the net after such a long break as well uh, and look as sharp as he did. Yeah, I think the goalies, they just continue to battle each other, each other to see who the one is that's like better in the moment. And it was also good to see Kakinen on the bench tonight, just because after what happened late in the game last night, last game, it was a little bit concerning as well. But Blackwood, you know, he is, I still think he's a guy who can be a one a, you know, he, he looks very good. And on a team that doesn't really give him a ton of support, I think he finds a way to make the big saves. Um, Mikhail Granlund would tie the game not too long later. And this is just, this is the beginning of the Philip Zadina show, who was just again, great tonight. Uh, two goals, two assists. Um, Zadina forced the turnover, passes it to Granlund who outweighed the defender, uh, and then beats, uh, Wolf as well. Um, any thoughts on the Granlund goal? Nice play. Nice play by both of them. Uh, Zadina patience and then Granlund patience. It was just good play overall. Fairly simple play, but just being in the right place and waiting out the player that was either attacking you or the goalie going down. It, it all worked. Yeah. Um, Bailey uh, would bring the Sharks up to 2-1 and they would never really look back at this point. Um, Zadina again, you know, a bad turnover. I thought Dustin Wolf, like he, he's a guy who I think a lot of people talk uh, very highly of, including myself, because I've seen him play a ton of games watching Barracuda games. Um, but uh, I, like his defense hung out to dry tonight on numerous occasions. Yeah, he definitely didn't get any help. Um, I personally haven't seen Wolf a ton. I know he's been an absolute beast in the AHL, um, and he's still working his way into NHL role. But the thing with him, and, and it kind of pains me because at least when I was growing up, all my favorite goalies were like under, you know, six feet. It right. wasn't until like what the the early two thousands, late nineties, maybe where goalies started being like six three and six four. But you did notice that a lot of the shots on him were up high, yeah. Um, which is kind of how you have to attack with some of the shorter goalies. So I know he's got great reflexes and he's super agile and he's kind of a goalie who can you know be all over the place. 
and make those saves. But I am very curious to see how he does at the NHL level long term with the disadvantage, if you want to call it that, of not being, say, like 6'4 or 6'5. Yeah. Uh, Luke Cunning goal was an interesting one, obviously, because we no one realized it was in the net until the play stops. <laughs> and then we and then the situation room uh, calls up and says, hey, we got to We got to look at this goal here. Um to me, I wanted to tweet out so bad. Like, this is just the NHL trying to screw the Sharks out of being, you know, picking first overall. Because um, it's not very often the Situation Room calls go in the Sharks' favor. But this was as obvious as a goal as there could be. Obviously, like, with the speed of the game and the camera being where it is, it's it's hard to tell during play. But once you actually got to look at it, it was pretty clear-cut, in my opinion. Yeah, I was caught a little bit off guard because I actually didn't really see it until I saw the over-the-shoulder shot of the referees looking at it, and you could kind of see it go in there, and they showed it on the um, the main screen. And, yeah, it, it goes in. You know, it's it's a nice play. But the one thing I wanted to point out is, like, Eklund getting the assist there because I yes. feel like he did a lot of nice small plays in this game and didn't really get rewarded for it. Um, but on that play, he did get the assist. So it was nice to see him get a point there because he was making a lot of small passes, a lot of little smart puck plays, which is definitely what I'm looking for from him. Yeah, and it's, I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that because I. Did, I know I said earlier at the top of the show was like it wasn't like a night where like on the score sheet at least where you wanted to like the guys you wanted to kind of see take over the game didn't really do it. It was a lot of the other pieces, but I thought Eklund did have a good game. Like I don't want to make it out like I'm disparaging Eklund's game. I thought he had a really good game. It was just you know it just wasn't a big game for him on the score sheet. But I think you you made a good you make a great point there. Yeah, and I think that's a representation of his season as a whole for the most part. Like, he's he's not going to show up on the score sheet a lot based on just kind of how this team is, right? We don't score a lot of goals. But yeah. game in and game out, we're seeing him make really nice passes that either are flubbed or missed by the player it's coming to, or his vision is just he's just creating offense. So I think as he gets more talented players around him, some of those plays that he's not getting assists for or even some pucks that maybe aren't getting to his stick that could be a goal – those will come, but you watch him on and off the puck and he's, he's making good plays. Yeah. Backlund scores a goal at the end of the second period. I'm curious to hear your take on this goal. Um, there is obviously there's a little bit of contact in the crease because Manjapani kind of forces Addison uh, into contact a little bit with Blackwood. Um, but I didn't feel like the, like my take on this is like, I didn't feel like the contact was enough until the puck had already crossed the line where you would call that back. Yeah, I think so. I was a little bit in the moment, um, kind of almost encouraged <laughs> by what Randy and Drew were saying. And I think one of the angles makes it look a little bit more um, aggressive mm -hmm. in the push than it actually was. And with those kind of plays, I feel like it sometimes needs to really just be obvious or they're going to always kind of just allow it to be a goal. And, you know, I, I joke around that a lot of times I'm like, I still don't really know what goalie interference was. But in that case, it, it's just so borderline that I feel like sticking with the call on the ice is fine. Yeah, to me, here's the thing to, for me, right? Like, it just, it didn't look like, like, when the puck had already, like, bounced off of Addison's butt, like, it doesn't look like Blackwood's trying to move in that direction in any way, shape, or form. And, like, he's, it, like, I can understand how people could be upset saying, hey, like, you know, he can't move there. But I don't think that Blackwood really made an effort to move there because there was nothing in his body language that says, I can't move to make this save. And that's why I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was a bad challenge by the Sharks. Um... And I thought the right call was made. 
Yeah, I think the perfect way to phrase kind of how you did right there at the end in that it didn't really impede him making the save, right? Yeah. Like there was contact, sure, but I don't think he makes that save without the contact because the puck was going in off of um, Addison. So it was like it wasn't there was no way he was making that save based on where his glove was, his body or any of that right. stuff. Yeah, and that's why I agree. And then um, after this, you know, the third period comes and the Sharks basically just put the uh, start putting the nails in. Uh, Zadina, uh, again, uh, with a tip off a shot that just completely kind of a weird play. Um, it kind of goes off Zadina's stick and the deflection kind of just baffles Wolf. He loses complete track of it. It kind of just knuckle pucks past him. Um, any any thoughts on that other than no it's a bit of a fluky goal I mean yeah. it sticks in the right place some good hand eye but you also don't really know how intentional that was but um, the one thing I will say though just on that last point is that I was pleasantly surprised with how the Sharks came out in the third because I was half expecting that goal at the end of the second and then the subsequent power play yeah um, to kind of derail their game and that is not what happened uh, Zadina would score like right after that again uh, to make it 5-2. Um, Zadina again just kind of forces a shot through Anderson uh, and it beats Wolf top corner. Really just a nice goal. Like, if the if the first one was fluky and you're like, eh, yeah, okay, whatever. Nice, nice fluky goal there. But like this one was, this one was mwah. <laughs> yeah, nice little snipe. That's where you saw his shot really show there. But you got to love when those moments happen where it's like everything is kind of just going your way. And, and I just love how that happens in sports sometimes. A guy who you don't see him have a night like this often, right? right. But then it just seems like any time he touches the puck, like something was happening. Like even when he wasn't scoring tonight, he was creating some plays in the offensive zone, making some nice puck handling decisions and moves. And it was just like all around, you're like, this guy's feeling it. Like he, he's in the zone. Yeah. Um, Luke Cunning would make it would make it six two, and then obviously Calgary did get a goal back uh, to to get back within three. But I mean that's basically it. I mean the Sharks really good to uh, really good game for them tonight. I, I mean you can't again like you know if you're on Team Tank it's like the wins are bad, but like I'm if you're Team Tank you're mad at Calgary because Calgary was at as full strength as they could be. Yeah, okay, Dustin Wolf is still kind of finding his way at the NHL level, but you know, other than that, like this Calgary team, not good. Like if I'm a Calgary fan, I'm really mad at this loss. Yeah, the performance was not very convincing from them. Um, I thought even when they were up in the game, they didn't look great. I mean, mm -hmm. Blackwood obviously made some big saves, but there was no point in this game where I was like, oh, okay, Calgary's come to play. You know, they just they didn't have that feel to them. Um, so definitely not a good look there when you lose 6-3 to the Sharks. And in terms of the tank, like, I don't know. At this point, we really have to see how Chicago does with Bedard coming back because it's really just a two-team race for the bottom, and the difference in right. odds, I'm not going to get all upset about, right? No, same, same. I, I mean, at, yeah. the, at the end, at the end of the day, it's a lottery, and I've, I've said that many times on this show. Like, it's always nice to have the best odds, but we know that the best odds don't guarantee anything. Like, mm -hmm. the the team, I feel like teams that aren't like more teams have been have lost with the best odds than have won. Yep, for sure. And I think that's actually, um, I don't remember how many years, but I just, I'm just trying to think of the actual teams that finished in last that drafted first overall. It's not a ton. Um, and you, like you said, I think, what is the top percentage? By oh, definition, it's 18. But I think 18, when you factor in the teams that are like 13, 14, and 15, the fact that they can't become number one, it becomes yeah. like 25. 
but it's 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 not great. So um, got to enjoy these small moments in these games where some of these guys are stepping up and having a night. Yeah, eighteen and a half, I believe, is the odds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just some just some stuff from the locker room here, quick. Uh, anytime, obviously, Bailey. You know, anytime you can get two points, it's a good night, and you can't go wrong with that. Um, <laughs> Blackwood not happy with the goaltender interference call. Says these days you don't know what goaltender interference is. I, <laughs> I mean, I look at it, if if I'm Blackwood, I'm probably mad in that situation, being a, you know, being the goalie. But um, yeah, I don't. Again, I don't really think the Sharks had much of a case there. Um, Goalies are sensitive to their crease. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, it was in the blue game. Yeah. I do get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I look at this team, right? And I like this Calgary team. I mean, they're they're not. they're. I mean, they're out of it. Like, they're out of it pretty far. Like, they're five points out of a wild card spot right now. But I just, like, after the night, like, if you're, I don't even know who their GM is anymore. Craig Conroy beats me. <laughs> I'm actually not sure either. <laughs> I think it's Craig Conroy. Like, but after this game, man, I'd be like, yep, sell, sell everything. Yeah. I mean, they can't be thinking that they really are a cup contender anyway. So no. if you have pieces to move and either acquire other young players, you make those moves. Like you have to be realistic about what your team's competing abilities are. And even if they are not a lot of points out they still have to jump a bunch of teams to get into the playoffs <laughs> right. and then if they make the playoffs are they really going to compete so yeah i think you have to be realistic there they're kind of more in limbo that that terrible territory you don't want to be in where you're not right. tanking but you're also not good yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm they're a team that is going to be absolutely fascinated to what they do at the trade deadline because i think I, I think this is a team that could retool pretty quick and get back in and i don't think this is a situation where they need to tear it to the bolts like yeah i mean you look at i mean it ever since the kachuk trade is really when things kind of went downhill mm-hmm. but you have the talent there i mean if a guy like huberdo could bounce back and be sort of what he was when he left florida that obviously would have a huge impact um Uyghur is what like they were talking about one of the top scoring defensemen in the NHL they have good players but now I know a guy like Hannafin is one of the guys that keeps getting rumored to being potentially traded right so some of the playoff teams might be seeking a player like him but they have talent they probably shouldn't be as bad as they are but I also don't look at them in the same breath as I do some of the top three or four teams in the west so they probably need to make a few moves um to really and they would need a few players to bounce back to really be in that conversation. Yeah, that's fair. Um, earlier today, just some other Sharks related news. Uh, David Pignotta of the fourth period was on NHL Network. And he said, basically, the Sharks are wide open for business, which I don't think is a shock to anybody. Like, obviously, they're wide open for business. Um, but I, I was kind of surprised when he said, um, you know, that there's I, I've heard Mario Ferraro's name come up a few times this year, which kind of surprises me a little bit. Um, but then they also mentioned like Logan Couture, which kind of surprises me, especially considering the season Logan Couture has. Like, could you sell any lower on Logan Couture at this point? Yeah, I think if you move him, it's got to be just for the cap purposes. But how much could you get in return? And if you're a team who's trading for Couture, how would you have any faith that he's going to play? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought when he came back that hopefully we were in the clear. But like people have been saying, with an injury such as the one he was dealing with, that doesn't just go away. You know, right. some of those things are career ending. Um, so we have to see how he adjusts and how he comes out of this. But I just can't imagine a team putting 
a lot on the table for a player like him, um, especially at what he's paid dealing with his injuries. You know, like yeah. obviously if he's healthy, he's a great player still, or a very good player at least. But I, I don't know. There's just player. too much risk there. Yeah. Yeah, especially now, because it's, it's, it's weird, right? Like, obviously, like, with Tomas Hurdle going out, like, I think it, that's a situation where it's, like, probably it's bugging him a little bit. And it's like, what are you what are you going to gut it out for the rest of the season for at that point? Like, I, I have no problem with Tomas Hurdle getting the surgery that he got. Because um, I feel like that's an injury you could play through the season if you were playing for something, but the Sharks aren't, so why? Yeah, you might as well get it done now, and hopefully he can either get a few games in before the end of the season, um, or he just comes back and there's no issues next year. There's yeah. no reason to risk anything or deal with the discomfort that he was potentially dealing with in a season when you know you're two spots from the bottom of the league. Yeah, and, and then like Couture, like you said, I mean that's the the weird the thing like those those are the worst injuries in hockey in my opinion are hips and groins because they just never get better. Yeah. It, it, Especially when you're at the point in your career like he is, too. Um, it's just a major procedure like that. And I don't know. You have to wonder how many times going through either rehab mm-hmm. um, or having to work through that. get on, Or you get to a point where you're just like, I don't think my body can do it anymore. And I really hope that's not the case because I was actually really happy to see Couture come back. It was a brief glimpse of feeling like, like the Sharks again yeah. when he was back. Because I just he he's still the last one of the last remaining pieces of that core, and I think the team kind of rallied around him a bit. You saw them do a lot better and play with a bit more heart when he was back. So it's painful to see him going through this. So I really hope it's not the end. Um, but it's just it's just something that's probably going to nag him the rest of his career. Yeah, and it's, it sucks because like Logan Couture, like maybe not my favorite shark, but like at the same time, like you don't want that for anybody. Mm-hmm. It just for it sure sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple more things from the locker room. Uh, David Quinn um, echoing our thoughts on Eklund. Eklund had a really had a really good game. Did a really good job off the rush. He did a lot of good things tonight. Um, uh, on Zadina, Quinn said that Zadina works his ass off night after night. Always an honest effort. Sometimes that gets in his way, but nice to see him rewarded on the stat sheet. Um, and yeah, I mean, like again, just a good game for for guys stepping up in the absence of of the two of the Sharks' biggest defensive weapons being out of the lineup. Yep. Depth scoring and then, um, you know, just hustle around. The defense wasn't terrible. It's, <laughs> and the goaltending stepped up. Like, it's a nice recipe um, for a game like this. And even Granlund, I, I think I tweeted it earlier, and it's just like, he's fun to watch, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I like having a guy like him in the team. So I know he's popped up in trade rumors, but I really hope um, if we don't get I guess something really valuable for him that we hold on to him because you got to have some sort of players that are worth watching on the team. Right. And yeah, I feel like I just, he's one of those guys who could take like the, the problem is with the cap. Like, I just don't know who could take Grandland because this like the Sharks have that one retainment salary spot. So if you're trading Grandland, you're retaining and then you're stuck with salary that you one more year yeah. for another year. Like I just I could see teams wanting him. But I just I can't see how they make that work. Yeah, no, I agree. And while his production is decent, people might remember that he struggled the last time he was traded kind of at the deadline as well um, when he went over to the Penguins. So, yeah, it would probably take a few, um, you know, little moves to make it work. But I could see a player like him being of interest. I just I just hope they don't dump him because yeah. there's just no reason to. The, cap, no, the five million that we save really doesn't do anything for us at this point. So, 
no, I just, I can't, it's, the, that's a thing with the cat being what it is. Like, I just, I mean, I look up and down this lineup and I think there's guys that you would definitely want to go like, um, you know, Kevin LeBanks, a guy who probably deserves a chance somewhere, but with his salary, I mean, you, there's a guy you could retain on because he's, his salary would be up at the end of the year, but I don't know who's taking him either at this point, which is, you know, I think it's unfortunate. Like, Kevin LeBanks, a guy who I run very hot and cold with, but I just feel like he deserves better than this at this point. Yeah. Well, I think he's one of those guys that when you see him play well, you're just like, damn, this guy is good. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of forget about him for weeks at a time. Um, but I mean, you think back to his good moments with the Sharks. And yeah. He's got a shot. He's got very good puck skills. He's got good offensive instincts, but he's just not consistent. And I don't think he's got a complete game. So you can't no. think of teams probably trying to add him for their fourth line, right? Like where where are they going to fit him in? Maybe they have an injury on a winger in the top six and they want to kind of throw him in there or at least try him out. Um, but at the same time, I feel like you can get players that can fill that for a lot cheaper. For a lot cheaper and, and that will give you more consistent play night in and night out because i think exactly consistency is a huge issue with kevin lebank that i can't think you know something that's kind of dogged him his whole career um sleepy mofo in the chat do the sharks take a bad contract to make grandland happen i mean they could but again like at some point you don't you have to you can't just load up on bad contracts i mean you could I don't know what the turnaround time for this team is, but eventually you need to be able to get out from under those contracts. So I, I guess it would depend on the contract coming back. It's something they could do, sure. Um, but if if Mike Greer is saying like two, three years, how how many bad contracts can you really take at this point? Yeah, and what else is coming with that contract? Yeah, like is someone throwing enough. a first-round pick? Okay, maybe I'm listening. But like if we're just getting a mid-round pick, I mean, it doesn't do anything for us to get a mid-round pick and then dump off a player who's just, performing at a fairly good level for us and even like so like my understanding is and you can correct me if i'm wrong here like so if you're trading with a contender too looking for first round picks like there's seems to be a pretty significant drop at the later ends of the first round am i correct in that i think there's definitely distinct tiers um i would say the cutoff probably in or to the drop off in tiers probably happens in the late teens mm -hmm. um that being said i think another pick in the 25 to 30 range a could be used for a trade or b would still be a good pick maybe not as good as some other drafts um but i think there are plenty of players you can get in that range that would still add to our prospect depth okay um uh, burge in the chat declare uh, as good trade bait I would keep Anthony Duclair. I don't know where you're on at this. Like, I think unless someone's going to blow your socks off for Anthony Duclair, I'd keep him around. Same. He's young. Yeah. Why not? He's not expensive. I mean, yeah, if someone blows your socks off for him, I think so. Like, if you were looking at the Sharks right now as another GM, like, who are you, who are you circling as, as guys that you might want to take a run at? If I'm looking at the Sharks from another team's perspective, I, there's not much that I want. Really, like I think Barabanov has talent, but his numbers have been lacking this year. Like if you saw Barabanov last year, then I'd be targeting him because I think he's cheap and he's got a lot of offensive skills and you put him around some other players. He might, you know, really pop. But you look at the rest of that lineup like Hoffman is past his days. Um, Duclair is good, but I still think there's other players you target out in the market over him. Um, 
Yeah, I think Duclair's the guy I would circle back to if, like, plan A and B didn't work out. Maybe Duclair's my plan C. But I'm with you. Like, I look at this roster, and, like, I know we, like, as Sharks fans, we should want to see guys going out the door. But I look at this roster, and maybe, you know, and maybe we're too close to it. But I just, I look at this roster, and I'm like, who's who's the guy that's going to fetch you something? Maybe Capo Kakinen. But then again, goalies generally don't fetch much. And Mm -hmm. if the Wild are out, Marc-Andre Fleury's going to be in the mix. That's going to be a go-to for a lot of people. Yeah, you take the veteran in that case. Um, Yeah, I I think if we're making any trades, we're going to be looking at mid-round picks. I I don't think these are going to be guys that are highly coveted. um, Because the big names like Hurdle... And Couture all come with some sort of baggage, whether it's long-term contracts or injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, do any of the reclamation projects have any decent return? I don't think so. Like again, like I don't. I, I think Luke Cunning is a guy. Is a reclamation project. I don't. I can't. I you know. I mean, NHL GMs do some crazy stuff, but I just I I look up and down this team and I don't. I don't see any like guys that teams are going to go after as their first go i think there's guys in the sharks that if teams miss out on other players they will circle back to but yeah i mean man i don't know i hate to be such a downer on this show because like (laughs) it's been such a downer season but i just i don't know but i gotta be honest at the same time right yeah but i think i think it's not even i think it's fair and i don't think it's really being down too because if you think about where the sharks are and what we've Mm -hmm. been doing for the last few years our assets are in our prospects and yeah. our draft capital, right? So, you know, there's not the players that people are going to want, like Eklund. We're not trading him. We're right. not trading our first round picks and we're not trading our top prospects. So, a lot of these other guys, we've kind of just taken with the hope that maybe they either pop off or they want to kind of play themselves back into a different lineup. But what comes with that? If, if these guys were once waiver players or, you know, they're just free agents that weren't highly chased, they're not going to be going for first and second round picks. Like I, I can see us getting maybe a third and a fourth around the deadline, unless we are really helping someone out with their cap space. I don't know. But um, yeah, like, like you mentioned with Cunning, I think at most, maybe we trade him for what we gave up for him, which was like a third, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, is that worth it at that point? I don't know. Yeah. Um, speaking of prospects, how are our college prospects doing? Any, any standouts? I mean, how's Will Smith been doing in the second half so far? He has been on fire. Um, ever since world juniors, he's been really good. Um, almost like two points per game. And, you know, he's playing on that line that is pretty much unstoppable for BC. I'm really interested to see how they do in the hockey East tournament, as well as the NCAA tournament, because they will definitely most likely go fairly far in both um, unless there's some, you know, really surprising upsets, but Will Smith's been a beast. Um, I will say, I think he might be best off still doing another year. I don't know if his game is complete enough for the NHL level yet. Now, that being said, the Sharks may want to move along with him and bring him up. I mean, some of that probably depends on what the team looks like for next year, but um, I don't think you want him coming in and just getting shelled like right. the team is doing right now. And I think he definitely is one of those guys who could probably still use a second year um, of college development where you're playing against guys who are physically mature, but you have time to, you know, strengthen and work on your skills and you're not quite on like that 70, 80 game schedule. That's cool. um, uh, so I, definitely him. You have the Northeastern guys who um, Kim Lund, who is good he's improved over his freshman year um i don't i don't want to really put him in the same category as a guy like will smith but i think he 
is a decent prospect and someone to still watch. And if you're, and I'm sure all Shark fans remember him from the prospect games where he, he kind of stood out. He's got a lot of skill. So um, he's doing well with Northeastern as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, apparently I'm reading the chat. The Barracuda are losing 3 nothing to the Firebirds, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, death taxes, Cam Lund goals against... Uh, Cole Lynn, sorry. Uh, goals against the San, uh, San Jose Barracuda is what I always say. Uh, I, I watched that when he got the first one. Um, Barracuda... The Barracuda, the Barracuda, man. Uh, they won two games in a row, and they are unfortunately not going to win a third for the millionth time this season. Barracuda, frustrating watch. Um, they've been okay the last little bit, though. Like, I feel like they picked up points here and there as, as they've gone, um, but they're just so far out of it that it's frustrating. <laughs> just, I wish I could use another word to say what to describe the Barracuda, but frustrating is it. Oh, for nothing, Firebirds. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So do we think Mukamadoulin's going to be down there um, for the rest of the season? I, I liked what he did in the NHL when he was up. Uh, I, I think it depends on the Sharks have so many defensemen. They have to move mm -hmm. some. Uh, it depends on how many demon they can move. I think that's the, the one player who I think might be down there for the long haul based on just like what the Sharks can do at the deadline. Because they have so many defensemen under contract that unless they're going to send a guy through waivers that they haven't so far yeah i just i can't see the room for him yeah and that's that's fine he got his taste of the nhl and i think he could be ready um for more next season um but i i was very curious to see how long he would stick um but i definitely liked what i saw in his short stint yeah i think look at mook madulin's a guy who i've you know i think has been one of the one of the few bright spots for this Barracuda team. I think that there's there's definitely parts of his game that he has to figure out. But, I mean, for the most part, I thought he did pretty good in his NHL time. And I, I kind of think that he's... They, they've got to at least have him kind of penciled in a little bit for, for a potentially to be on the Sharks next year, I think. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because, again, they, they signed... Again, Mike Greer loves his seventh defenseman. I mean... <laughs> Jacob McDonald's played forward all year because they have too many defensemen. So I don't know what they, I don't know what yeah. they do. And Benning's been out the whole year. It's another yeah. body that we haven't even had. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, because obviously I think there's some guys that you want to see uh, get another look at the NHL um, as if guys can get moved up. Um, Bortolo's been, he's had such a hot and cold season for me. Um, every time I think he has a swagger back, he kind of, Either well, I mean, the Bear could have been just as badly injured this year as the Sharks. The the infirmary report down there has been pretty much just as bad, and Bordelow's definitely been in that. Um, but I'd like to still see him get another uh, taste of the NHL. I want to see Gushkin get some more games in the NHL. I think he was a guy who, again, kind of like kind of like Mukumudulin, didn't really get to stay as long as I think he deserved to stay, mm -hmm. just based on other roster moves they had to make but I, i'd like to see gushkin get another look at the nhl especially when they're just in garbage time and there's nothing you know guys are gone and they're just plugging holes in the lineup seeing who can make a good impression for next year's camp yeah he only, i mean in his four games i definitely like some of the little things i saw from him he looks like he could be an nhl player so i agree with you maybe the final few weeks of the season it'd be nice to see him get some more time i'm not gonna hold my breath with Greer giving him that at the end of the season yeah but we'll see his the thing with gushin like the thing that i've really liked about gushin is like 
I found in his rookie year he tried doing too much on his own, and now he's a better like team player. He's he's you know I think he's he uses the the players around him a lot more when they're playing together. Like when him and Ekman were together, especially like you would think it would be such a good pairing. And for a long time, it was like just the two of them being like, okay, I have the puck, I'm doing everything, and yeah. I just, uh, I'd like to see him get another shot. I think that's pretty much it, though. I don't think we have anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we covered a lot of the bases there. Did. Uh, any, oh, uh, Yarmo Kekalainen got fired in uh, Columbus. Any any ideas who uh, steps into that role next? No, um, I think he, how long has he been there? I feel like he's been there for, for, yeah, well, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty decent run for a GM, but um, no, it'd be interesting to see who they bring in. I think, I think he had a good run in terms of some of his draft decisions. Yeah. Um, But when you think about Columbus during that era, (laughs) definitely not what you'd call a successful franchise. I mean, outside of the time they knocked out Tampa in that upset series back when they had Panarin, um, Bobrovsky, like you think of that as, the team that's memorable but not much else out of that era is terribly memorable it's hard too because like you thought with like johnny gaudreau going there like it was gonna be you know like things were turning around and nope yeah i wonder how he's feeling these days because he (laughs) left calgary in what was a very good team at the time and i know it was the same time kachuk left but I wonder how he's feeling about that decision because he's got a bunch of years left still. Um, and I'm sure he could be moved, but that's that's got to be tough to go from a team that was competing to a team that's near the bottom and doesn't really have showed many signs of getting out of it. Yep. No, I, I agree. Uh, Good, fascinating stuff. Um, so I guess uh, other than that, any final thoughts, Mark, before we wrap this one up? No, it was a fun night. It's a fun game to watch. Um, that's pretty much it. That's it, man. When the Sharks do good, it's good. That's all all I'm saying. All right, let me get us out of here. Uh, If you want to watch this again or do any of the awesome, fun stuff, you can catch us on any of the uh, social media channels. You can like and subscribe to this video. Uh, Also, if you have something to comment, we got something wrong, you just want to leave us a comment, hit us up in the comment section. I do try to respond to as many comments as I can. Um, And it's something that I would absolutely love to do. So uh, with that being said, um, I'm going to screw this up because I always do. Uh, Keep it real. Keep it teal. Keep it real teal. Good night.